What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? And Max. Hello, everybody. All right, we got a lot to talk about from the finals in NBA, football, hockey, also the Stanley Cup finals in hockey, and the playoffs for baseball. So we'll just start off with football. 100%. So going into the football uh, week, we had week three. By the way, we are going a little bit quicker through these these games because we have a ton to talk about on the podcast. Yes. And we don't want to sit here for three hours talking about football, <laughs> even though we could. We love it. Uh, but, you know, more it, it, it starts to fade out over time, especially when you're a, a listener as well. So we try to keep it short and sweet. We talk about the games. With that being said, we have our first game of the week. It was Thursday. We had the Dolphins and the Jaguars. The Dolphins pulled this one out 31-13. to uh, Pretty good win for the Dolphins, right? Uh, this team is showing a lot of promise. You know, I think they have a really good coach over there in Miami. Um, and I like to set up with their, their young talent. I think when Tua steps in, you're going to see a large increase in terms of production out of the Dolphins. And I think, I don't think, you know, it's going to be a great year for them this year. But uh, when Tua does eventually take over for that team and he, you know, starts to feel comfortable with the Miami system, I think that that Dolphins team shows a lot of promise. And I think on the Jaguars side of things, I think they're showing their true colors. It's a really dysfunctional organization. Um, Gardner Minshew had his worst week so far, but I still think Gardner Minshew is the right fit for there, uh, fit, right fit for Jacksonville. Again, he's that, that diamond in the rough for me. Uh, so if you're a Jaguars fan, you, you pretty much got to hold on to Gardner Minshew, and hopefully the, the rest of the franchise can get fixed. But uh, a lot of promise from the Dolphins. Yeah, um, you know, this week it's was, was kind of tough, this game, because although I hate the Jaguars as a Titans fan, I decided to buy kind of buy into the Gardner Minshew. I've been starting in one of my fantasy leagues. That didn't go so well. It's kind of disappointed in them there, but, you know, talking about the Dolphins, it's definitely a bright future for them with the core they have. Ryan Fitzpatrick is now kind of going back to his Fitzmagic ways a little bit. And if I'm the Dolphins, honestly, I'm really in no rush to start Tua. Just let him learn. Fitzpatrick's doing well enough. It's like previous years, it's probably just a matter of time before he starts to not be so great again. But right now, you know, don't rush Tua. And again, again, we know with his injury history, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to take the chance too early to, and like Nick said, they're not gonna. You're not expecting anything great this year. You keep what you have right now, and just build, continue to build for the future. And that's what they're doing. A hundred percent agree with you right there. Uh, and Mike Mike Gusecki, uh, Gusecki, I struggle with his name. The tight end for the Dolphins. Right. He's starting to blossom a little bit this year. So you know, again, a lot of young talent right there. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick can really hold over until Tua gets back. Uh, you're looking at a really good Dolphins team moving forward. Uh, moving on from there, we have. The I think closed. Uh, we have the we have the Washington football team versus the Browns. Uh, good win for the Browns here, thirty four to twenty. Um, you know, I think I don't think there's much to talk about this game. Washington is a pretty dysfunctional franchise, as we talked about over and over again. But Ron Rivera is able to keep this team afloat, in my opinion. The win Haskins has been very subpar uh, for Washington so far, and you know they just they don't really have the talent or the system right now to really win a ton of football games. Uh, that being said, the Browns are picking it up a little bit. Against a you know decently bad Washington team, they're kind of solo win in week one against the the Eagles. Um, you know the Browns being two and one is not exactly where they want to be in terms of the talent level, but uh, as long if they can continue to win, you can't really complain, right? Uh, pretty good win for the Browns. Uh, Baker May- Baker Mayfield looked pretty decent. Um, Nick Chubb had a couple good runs, so uh, you know pretty good look for the for the Browns going so far. And Kareem Hunt's been super hot for the Browns as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I, mean, I think this was a pretty expected victory for the Browns, kind of the way they did it too. I mean, we know the Browns have a, obviously a lot more talent, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. 
you know, Dwayne Haskins, when he's not been very good so far, and they can't really compete, you know, even though Baker Mayfield has his moments with the um, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Cream Hunt, Nick Chubb, it's it's just tough for Washington to compete with them, as we, we keep saying, they're a dysfunctional organization. And, you know, even worse for them, Chase Young got hurt. Don't know how long he's going to be up, but they want any chance to win. I mean, it's, I think it's really all going to hinge on that defensive line because that's their main strength. But the overall team was not going to be good enough to compete with the Browns. So, yeah, I think nothing really to see there. Yeah, 100%. Again, with like Dwayne Haskins, three interceptions is, is not going to cut it. Um, he's definitely got to work to get those down, which with Ron Rivera being in and out and with the injury to Chase Young and their defense getting weaker, it's just a really tough situation right now for Washington. Moving um, from there, we have the Patriots-Raiders. Uh, this is a pretty good game. The Patriots won 36-20. Uh, my opinion, really no surprise here. The Patriots and Bill Belichick are just that good. I just The Patriots are so interesting to me because they have so little active talent on the roster right now. Either they've lost them in free agency or due to, to opting out to COVID, that they're just really thin right now, and they still find ways to compete. You know, I guess more so the Seahawks last week. I don't think the Patriots should have even in, been in that game, let alone be as close as they were to winning it. And so I think this Patriots team is, is really interesting to watch, right? It's really, in my opinion, the magic of Bill Belichick uh, right before our eyes. Um, you know, and, and especially with, even now, the Patriots had lost James White, who was a really big, great portion in terms of the running back core, because uh, his, his parents, one of his parents, has, uh, unfortunately passed away from a car accident. Um, so this team is just like, it, it, again, it's like this ragtag team that finds a way to work under the magic of the Belichick. And I just, I find it really interesting. Um, on the Raiders side of things, you know, I think this team has a good potential. I just don't know how they're going to be able to glue it all together. Uh, Josh Jacobs was really phenomenal in his first game. He's kind of cooled off from, from there. Um, Daryl, I believe it's Waller. Darren um, Waller, yeah. Yeah, Darren Waller. There we go. I always forget his first name. Uh, he's he's such an interesting tight end because he's he's really raw, but he's just he, he's so he has so much potential. It's six six. He's incredibly fast. Um, he's he's had a really good start to the season so far, but um, obviously the Patriots were able to neutralize him uh, a little bit. So um, you know it's 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 definitely an interesting look for the Raiders. I honestly don't know where they fall right now. Derek Carr had two touchdowns, zero interceptions, so it's. Um, you know, the, the Patriots were able to shut them down. I think this team does have potential, though, between uh, the talent that they have on the roster. Yeah, as we keep talking about the Patriots, it's one of those things where they're just so good from the top down. And I'm going to quote Colin Coward here. I don't really, I don't like the guy much at all, but he says something I agree with. You know, when you look at you know, an NFL team, the four things you look at, who's your owner, who's your GM, who's your head coach, who's your quarterback. You know, for the Pats, it's the owner, and, I mean, the head coach and GM are the, same guys, Belichick, but it's just one of those things where if you're really, really good from the top down, and although they don't have the best QB, it's just one of those things. If you're, and Cam Newton's still very serviceable despite, you know, not being what he once was, you have all those things working together despite the talent on the team. I mean, you're still going to continue to be competitive and win games, which is what we're seeing with this team. I think they'll continue to do that moving forward. And, you know, for the Raiders, as I, I could kind of see as you're describing them, it's just like, it's one of those things where just there's a mediocre team where they don't really have much going against them but it's not like they have much I mean they do kind of have a little bit going against them with the quarterback situation because they the jury's still out on Derek Carr and it's usually at this point where it's like if it's been this long it's not going to work out and and as you were as you could kind of said I mean you didn't say it but the way your words kind of suggested it they're 
kind of in no man's land right now, and it's honestly the worst place to be. So, I mean, it's not surprising, not surprising that the Pats would win this game for the Raiders. I mean, it's just one of those things where they got to figure out a direction really quick, whether they, not, whether they want to rebuild again or become a contender. You've got to figure it out one way or the other. Mm-hmm, yeah, I totally agree. They're kind of in this no man's land where they, I think they have, good, they have a good amount of talent. They're one of those teams that's going to fall right in the middle, which, as you said, is not really where you want to land because you're not going to get any better. You're not going to get any worse. You're going to get stuck in the middle. Um, right. So it's it's really tough. So unless they can figure out a way to make it click, do you rebuild? I mean, you know, between Josh Jacobs and, and Henry Ruggs, you know, that's a really good starting core with Waller. Right. If you can build from there on offense, which is that's a that's pretty credible offense, you know, you could have a solid rebuild out of that if you make the right trades. Um, so moving on from there, we had the 49ers and the Giants. Pretty abysmal game. Very expected as a Giants fan. Uh, the 49ers went 36 to nine. <laughs> which is which is very upsetting as a Giants fan. Uh, when you look at that 49ers roster right now with everybody injured, Raheem Mostert, uh, we talked about it last week, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, uh, Solomon Thomas. It, um, there's so much talent out on that team right now. And then, I, I forget, Debo Samuel's still not in either. Um, so, like, Brandon Ayuk went absolutely off yesterday. He had a great game. Um, Jarek McKinnon, which I figured he'd have a decent game just based upon the fact that the 49ers run the ball so much, he'd feel pretty nicely in for Mostert. Um, and then, obviously, Garoppolo was replaced by Nick Mullen, who Nick Mullen played pretty well against the Giants. He had, like, one touchdown, 350 yards-ish. Jeez. Which was, you know, that's, that's a pretty sizable amount for how little the 49ers pass empirically, right? The fact that he was able to step in and play that well is pretty scary as a Giants fan. Um, our, our, our injuries so far have been on the offensive side with uh, Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley, not the defensive side for the most part. So we're still missing Xavier Kinney. He should be back soon, but he's a rookie. How much can we expect out of him? Right. Uh, it's just so tough as a Giants fan. I just I don't know where to even go at this point because we've had the coaching change and Joe Judge just you know he speaks a good game and he speak, he seems like he's a good motivator, but unless you have the X's and O's which I think we could have out of Jason Garrett, then a motivator is useless if you don't have the X's and O's in place through a coordinator. Um, but on the opposite side of things, like I feel like Jason Garrett, the way he's coached the X's and O's has been around the Cowboys' offensive line, you know, in terms of an offensive standpoint, which has been incredible, versus the Giants' offensive line, which is very subpar. You have a rookie left tackle, uh, injuries across the board. You have Nick Gates, who's, in my opinion, a, a backup guard in the NFL. He's playing starting center for us. Um, it's just, it's so tough. I, I don't even know what to say as a Giants fan, but we just stink. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, looking, going into the game yesterday, I didn't watch it that, that carefully because I was in the middle of watching the Titans game. I had that full on my computer and then NFL Red Zone on the TV out there. They didn't go to that game very much. Yeah. But um, anyway, you know, it's one of those things where with the 49ers injuries, I thought there was a chance that the Giants could win. I expected them to just, be, at the very least, keep it respectable. They couldn't even do the bare minimum, and I just don't know what to say anymore. And it, it, it just at this point, do, do you say tank for Trevor Lawrence at this point? Get on Daniel Jones. You see, me and me and Max talking about this before, and I was talking about Brian even before that. And it's just it's so tough. Like I just I I, I have to pre-close this that I bought Daniel Jones autographs over the summer, so I kind of invested into his autographs, figuring he might have a little bump up this year with Daniel uh, with Joe Judge being the coach. But at this point, it just seems like Daniel Jones cannot fix his fumbling problem. I know right. he's only had like a year and, and or so right now, but I feel like that's such a like if you coming out of last year, you know your main problem is fumbling the ball. 
you know your main problem is turnovers, right? I'm not saying you have to come into the next season and be the greatest pass we've ever seen, but just just being able to improve your turnover numbers would be a I feel like a pretty straightforward goal going into this last off season. And it just seems like Daniel Jones has been able to do that. Um, I don't know whether it's due to COVID, Joe uh, having a new coach. Uh, it could be a myriad of things, but ultimately it comes down to when you think about Daniel Jones, he's been decent so far. He's been he's been really good in some spots, been really terrible in others. The question is, is his ceiling as high as Trevor Lawrence's? And I'd say no. no. So I think it's definitely if the Giants wind up, you know, continue to lose, we're on three now, and you get to that one, the, the one spot for the draft. I think you absolutely have to consider taking Trevor Lawrence, and I'd say lean towards him over anybody else. Because I, I think, think you have to. Yeah, I think so at that Do point. It. Or you trade Oof. back, right? That I, I think if you look if you look into Trevor Lawrence, I say you pull the trigger unless your mm. quarterback's name is obviously like Mahomes or like not even the starting QBs. I'm talking like or the, like the established starting QBs. I'm talking like unless your quarterback's name is like Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, maybe even maybe Justin Herbert, I or Tua. There's very few exceptions. If you look into Trevor Lawrence, even for like my Titans, if we we're not gonna we're not gonna get that low in the draft. But if we were to get there, Trevor Lawrence, we gotta take him. I mean, you mm-hmm. just can't pass up on a guy like that. And I think the Giants are in the same situation. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I wouldn't be surprised if you saw maybe like an Arizona Cardinals type move where they take Trevor Lawrence. And let's say again, it's all being considered if the Giants do take the one spot or whoever takes the one spot. You might see like an Arizona Cardinals type of move where they. They'll take a Kyler Murray, but in this case, Trevor Lawrence, and then uh, dish out their other quarterback. In my opinion, I feel like Dan- there is a market for Daniel Jones, too, right? He showed promise in his two years in the league for a team that's looking for a quarterback replacement in a, in a really, uh, what's, what's the word looking for, uh, quick jiffy. You know, you need somebody, you need a quick fix. Daniel Jones could be that guy. When I think a team like that, I, I, one of the teams that comes to mind for me, it might be the Colts, right? They have a good roster right now. Um, but they do want to have – they may not be able to get a veteran quarterback. You know, with Phillip Rivers, we don't, who knows how long he'll last. Um, would, would the Colts be interested in taking Daniel Jones and seeing how he works out? Considering the fact that he is still relatively young, he showed potential, um, but he's not going to be a, a fresh rookie off the block where you have to teach him everything, right? So I think he might – that might be a potential trade for the, to the Colts right there. You know, it could be a ton of teams that might be interested in Daniel Jones, but uh, really interesting situation. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just – it's, it just seems like the Giants are at this crossroads every year. They just got to figure out something. I'm just tired of losing a Giants fan, 100. Um, moving on from there, we have the Texans and the Steelers. The Steelers wound up winning it 28 to 21. Um, this was a huge game this week, in my opinion, in terms of the season. The Texans moved to 0 and 3 here. Uh, really tough loss for the Texans. Obviously, uh, they really needed to win this one. Deshaun Watson is great, but that rest of that roster is not great. I think David Johnson is pretty good, right? I think he's he showed his value as as a running back in this league. Is he worth the price of DeAndre Hopkins? Still no to me. No way. Um, Will Fuller's been been okay for Deshaun Watson. He's been solid. Uh, but outside of that, the rest of that team is just kind of abysmal. Um, you know, that defense is is really subpar beyond JJ Watt. Um, not not a ton of talent there in the defense. On the offense, it's it's, it's really decent offense. It's a line, nothing crazy. And then you know Deshaun Watson again cannot do it all. Um, it's unfortunate because, you know, Deshaun Watson is such a talented quarterback. You know, to me, as we've spoken before, top five quarterback in the NFL, easy. Um, but with that, with the coach GM, uh, Bill O'Brien, he sh- he's not going to cut it, you know, going moving forward. So win three Texas team, they need to, they can still make the playoffs, but it's going to be a very hard road from here on out. They have a pretty tough schedule this year. 
Um, and with a quarterback like Sean Watson, you have to do better. On the Steelers' side of things, I think they surprised a lot of people. I think their offense, as we spoke, they're pretty much the same story as last week, right, where you had Ben Roethlisberger doing the most with uh, with, with what he has. Um, James Conner was able to pick up uh, pick up his run game a little bit. Uh you know, and on the defensive side, that defense has been absolutely lights out. Um, T.J. Watt has been great. That, that entire defensive line, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, the secondary has been good. That that Steelers defense, I think, is one to is one to be feared moving forward into the NFL season. Yeah, I mean, looking for the Texans, I mean, they're own three. Yes, they played three good teams, but. It's not like they've been competitive either. You, they've mm-hmm. obviously lost handily at the hands of the Chiefs, lost bad against the Ravens. You know, against the Steelers, who although they have a great defense, they their offense isn't bad, but it's mm-hmm. far from explosive. And they, I feel like that's one where you expect them to win if they're really going to turn their season around, and they don't do it. And now we've reached a point. Although they came back from zero and three a couple years ago, we're at the point that for most teams, I saw a stat the other day. It said like, and it was obviously this stat was in twenty nineteen, but it's still there's no way it's that much change since 29 since 1980 only 3.4% of teams have come back from 0 and 3 to make the playoffs so the Texans mm-hmm. are at the point where barring you know another barring some sort of miracle their season's just about over so mm-hmm. it, it, it's tough for them i mean they it, it, this is they look like a pretty mediocre team and it's like they, they're deep they their offense has been losing pieces and you know the no matter how good David Johnson is, it's still a downgrade from DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fleur, yeah, he's been good, but how long is it going to be before he gets injured again? And that defense, like you said, not, not very good outside of J.J. Watt, Zach Cunningham, I think. Justin Reed's all right. They just don't have a, they don't have a ton of talent there, and it's it's kind of their own doings. So I don't know what's going to go. And like you said about the Steelers, great, like I said, great, great defense they have. Offensively, they're still going to have a little more to prove. So doing better than I personally thought they mm-hmm. would. But I mean, I think we we could see the Steelers are the better team in this game. Yeah, again, the Steelers three zero, pretty good start for them. If you're a Steelers fan, that's as best you can get out of that team, especially with that talent and what position that they're in. Um, with that being said, moving on, we had the Bills and the Rams, which I think was probably one of the more interesting games of the week. On the Bills side of things, obviously, the, the Bills won thirty five to thirty two. The Bills were to three zero. The Rams are two and one. Um, this Bills team is really interesting. You know, this Bills team has been dominated by their excellent defense over the past couple of years. But we're seeing kind of seeing a role reversal, role reversal this year. Uh, the defense has kind of fallen apart a little bit since game one. They've gotten a little bit worse and worse. Obviously, this Rams team is pretty good. Um, with that being said, if the Bills do want to be a Super Bowl contender, the defense has to pick it up, which is interesting to say when you're talking about the Bills. On the offensive side of things, I mean, this is incredible. Josh Allen has, has picked up his play immensely. I mean... Uh, the the improvement that he's made from last year to this year is is quite astonishing. Uh, you know, looking at this game, he had four touchdowns, one interception, uh, passed for three hundred eleven yards, completed seventy three percent of his passes. You can't you can't ask for more out of out of a third year quarterback than than right there. Um, and also Stephon Diggs, who I believe is either tied or is up there. I believe I believe he's top three in terms of yards uh, for wide receivers right now. Uh, that Stephon Diggs trade has really worked out for the Bills so far. Um, in terms of offense, uh, really exciting team there in the Bills. And on the Rams side of things, if I'm a Rams fan, I'm not too discouraged by this. The Bills are a really good team, um, and the Rams are a pretty good team. They're they're definitely going beyond my expectations. Sean McVay's coaching is really showing itself, um, especially with how thin they are. I think they're in terms. I think their wide receiver core is pretty deep, but beyond that, I think they're pretty thin. 
um, in terms of offense, in terms of offensive line and such. But, you know, this – I don't even know what to say about the Rams. The Jigs are just so well coached. And this is such a close game. It's, it's basically what I expected out of this game for the Bills to take a, a slight win. Again, if I'm a Rams fan, I can't be too angry here. Yeah, I mean, this game is was pretty wacky, I'd say. You know, the Bills go up 28-3. They fall behind 32-28, then they win 35-32. So, and I think that defense that they have, they, they have the talent to pick it up. They just have to be able to do it. And if that offense, you, play, you, you put both, both those units, if they're performing at the best, this team may be the best in the AFC. I, I'd be hesitant to say that at this point because the Chiefs are still in the AFC. But looking at if they can really... They can pick up. If they can play the best, their best football on both sides. They're going to be a treat to watch every weekend. You know, on the Rams, it just what like we we keep saying. Their um, their their coaching is really what's um helping them out now. And if I'm a fan, I I'm pretty encouraged by what I've seen. I mean, this is a team that everyone kind of wrote off as Super Bowl contender. You know, people thought that coming into people thought they'd contend coming into last year. They they didn't, and they lost pieces in the offseason. They Yet they still continue to hang around, I and mean, I, I still don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl, let alone win it. But you know, with what we're seeing, it's just Sean McVay keep, keeps proving why he is one of the best coaches in the league. So I think, you know, I think both both sides here, I think, have bit, a lot to be encouraged about both the Rams and the Bills. Hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent. So moving on from there, we had the Titans and the Vikings. Max's game, go-to game, right here, obviously. Uh, pretty close win for the Titans. Again, 3-0. As the Titans fan, we kind of talked about it. The Titans, are, I don't think they're living up to their potential right now, especially with how weak this Vikings team has been so far. But I'm sure, as Max will tell you, and I, I definitely agree here, is that wins a win. You can't complain as a Titans fan being up, uh, you know, turning off the season 3-0. And on the Vikings side of things, it's pretty simple. Um, they just have not performed up. I think they're similar to the Texans. They have not performed up to their potential or their roster talent. Um, I think with the Vikings, it's a little more complicated in terms of what's wrong. Um, I think potentially it might be the quarterback. You know, Mike Zerman's been a coach in the league for so long now, and he's always been decent, but he's never been really made it to the – he's never been a Super Bowl-caliber winning coach where he's able to just really, you know, propel the Vikings to Super Bowls. Um, but I, I think it – I really don't know what the issue is. I think it could be quarterback. You just need that extra star talent at quarterback. That, you, that is such a huge factor in the NFL. Um, that could be the issue. Also, going back to the Titans side of things, Derrick Henry – uh, had his best game of the year so far, in my opinion. Uh, really showed why he is a top two to three running back in the NFL. Yeah, definitely for the Titans yesterday, Derrick Henry's best game of the year. First two games of the year, although he got good yardage, he, his yards per carry weren't that good yesterday. I don't remember stat, but just looking at the game, you definitely know he busted through that total. It had to have been over four, 4.5 yards, I think, but a really, really good game for Derrick Henry. And... Ryan Tannehill, I thought, did not play a great game. I think some of the passes he threw were incomplete. He also threw some ill-advised passes, I thought. But any, anyway, we were able to get the win. And the, the defense, the secondary still needs to improve. We're still missing a Dory Jackson. And, and the sec, yeah, like I said, the secondary is not really good. And also Dalvin Cook torched, torched us on the run game, which is disappointing to see. But again, a win's a win. I think... Now that I'm not making excuse, trying to make an excuse, we obviously have to do better. But it's one of those things where I think that our team is just—we're not going to blow out anyone really. We're going to beat the best teams by a little bit, beat the worst teams by a little bit. Just the way we, or hopefully we can do better. But that's just the way it seems to be at this point in time. So, and then on the 
as far as the Vikings, I, I'd go as far to say that they're the most disappointing team in the league this year. Like, I talked about them as a, I might have said on this podcast, as a potential dark horse Super Bowl contender. Now they've dropped to 0-3, like, and I said a little bit ago, that the 0-3 is at the point, just about the point where your season's over. And honestly, in my opinion for the Vikings, just based off how inconsistent they've been, I'd say coaching is their biggest weakness right now because you look at week one, Kirk Cousins had a great game. They put up 34 points despite losing. Last week, they looked terrible on the offensive side of the ball. Go this week, and they, they look a little better on the offensive side of the ball. Still not that great, but just too much inconsistency over there, and they got to figure something out. But unfortunately, it might be too late too late for them. Yeah, tough. Rough season so far for the start of the Vikings, uh, start of the season for the Vikings. And moving on from there, we had the Eagles and the Bengals. They wound up tying 23-23. Um, ultimately, here on the Bengals side of thing, I'm pretty satisfied with this, this score. Um, one being the fact they were able to compete with the Eagles, which I think are a pretty bad dysfunctional team right now. But they're definitely not the bottom of the league, right? They're, I think they're similar to one of those Raiders teams where they're pretty much stuck in the middle. Um, but they've kind of had a rough start to the season, I think, with injuries and just a little bit of dysfunction. Uh, but over, you know, panning out of the entire roster. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, I think, has performed pretty poorly so far uh, in terms of Carson Wentz's standards. And a lot of the people who are Eagles fans are looking to see, you know, if the Eagles continue to lose, they are 0-2-1, are they going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence? So I think the season for a lot of teams is going to be who can tank the most to get to that Trevor Lawrence spot, and can they maybe trade to it because Trevor Lawrence is the solution to a lot of rosters. Um, that's how, I think, how good of a talent he can be. Um, so the Eagles side, honestly, like, they've had a lot of injuries. They're, they're special player, you know, the wide receivers and their core has just been pretty abysmal. Their defense has been pretty abysmal. It's been pretty tough for the Eagles. On the Bengals side of things, uh, great game for Joe Burrow, in my opinion. You know, we're looking at uh, 312 yards, two touchdowns, 112 QBR, uh, completed 71% of his passes. You know, not too much complaint. There were no interceptions. Uh, this is what you're expecting. This is what you want out of Joe Burrow if you're, uh, you're a Bengals fan. Like, this is what you want out of your quarterback. So, uh, pretty tough law, pretty tough tie for the Eagles, but a pretty promising game for the Bengals. Again, we're not expecting the Bengals to win this year, but that shows promise for the uh, moving forward. Yeah, definitely a lot of promise on the Bengals side of things. You know, looking at Joe Burrow, the way he's performed, and he's only going to get better from here on out. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say he's great, great yet, but I mean, it's, he's a rookie, so he's going to take time to get there. Once again, on the Eagles side, it's just, I, I don't know what continues to happen over there because it's one of those things where people say, ever since Super Bowl, it's been like, okay, now they're going to finally put it back together, and they just continue to not do it. And I don't know what's going to happen over there. Like I, I kept saying Carson once seems to have lost his confidence. I believe. Did he throw two interceptions yesterday, I think it was? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, and it, it, they both looked like they, I thought they were his fault. So I don't know what it's going to be over there to get together. I, and I, as I keep saying, it's probably going to be a change of scenery, scenery for him. I think that I'd be at the point where pretty much after the loss of Washington, I've called the Carson Wentz experiment a failure over there. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. It's disappointing to get only to tie against the Bengals. So, I don't know. It's pretty tough. Um, so moving on from there, we had the Falcons and the Bears. Uh, another loss for the Falcons here. They moved to 0-3. Not much to say there. All I can say is that Todd Gurley had a solid game with 80 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, sort of like a flash of what Todd Gurley used to be. Um, as I've said, I think since the Super Bowl days, uh, the day they played in the Super Bowl, I'm like, this Todd Gurley looks different. He's not the Todd Gurley that we saw dominate. Um, and it's just, I think the arthritis in his knees has really taken a toll on him. But, you know, 80 yards and a touchdown is not bad. So a flash of what Todd Gurley used to be. Julio Jones is out for this game. 
Calvin Ridley continues to do really well with the Falcons this year. Uh, had 110 yards on five receptions. Um, and then Matt Ryan had a pretty abysmal game for Matt Ryan standards. He had a touchdown interception, 238 yards. On the Bears side of things, I think this Bears team is really interesting. Uh, they're 3-0 and now somehow, yet they have, they're have they kind of undecided on who they're going to start at quarterback. You know, Mitch Trubisky played really well throughout, say, the first two and a half games. Um, they wound up benching him and taking on Nick Foles. Uh, no, sorry, they, they benched, sorry, through, through the first yeah, two and a half games because they wound up... They wound up benching Nick Full, uh, Mitch Trubisky, rather, sorry, uh, about halfway through this game. Um, it's just really interesting to see, like, why. I don't understand they're 2-0. He's having a little bit of struggles. They were very quick to bench him, in my opinion. Um, obviously, you know, Trubisky through that game had one touchdown, one interception. was not great, but I feel like they were very quick to pull the trigger on uh, the inter- uh, in terms of taking him out, especially with them being up 2-0. Uh, really interesting decision there to change the quarterback. I think it comes down to the fact that I guess this offseason when they did acquire Nick Foles, they were pretty brutally honest with, um, you know, they, they were pretty br- brutally honest with uh, Trubisky in saying that, look, if you mess up, we're going to be quick to pull the trigger. We brought Nick Foles in here for a reason. Uh, you better perform to the best of your ability. We're going to make that change. And it looks like they are making that change going forward because they did announce Nick Foles to start next week. Honestly, I'm going to say this might be. Um, um, regarded as potentially unprofessional um, content here, but I'm going to say it anyway. This game was kind of just a giant meme in my opinion because the Falcons, you see them just choking leads again. They were up, what was it last week? How, how much were they up in the fourth quarter last week against the Cowboys? Um, quite was, an amount. I remember they were up 17 points. Something like that. Yeah. And then this week they're up 16 points in the fourth quarter. They blow it again. They just keep choking and choking leads again. I don't even know how it's possible at this point. I don't know why. I keep saying, why does Dan Quinn still have a job on this team? Because the team is just choked every time. I think that's the main story for me. And for the Bears, I dare say one of the most undeserved 3-0 starts I've seen on the year. Because for any team that I've seen. Because you look at the first game, they were down 17 points in the fourth quarter. Lions choke pretty much give them the free win. Trubisky doesn't really look that good until the fourth quarter of that game. Last game against the Giants. He has a decent first half, but then kind of comes back down to earth in the second half. And then yesterday, I, I actually approved of the benching since he wasn't doing that well. I, th- I think that the the only time he played really, really well was... I mean, maybe it was the first half against the Giants, yeah, but the set, I thought the game against the Lions was a fluke, and that it didn't show anything. It's, just, it's more about the Lions and not him. And, and then... The, the Falcons let him back in another game, despite Nick Foles coming in. I, to me, people talk about that as a big story. I don't think that's a big story. Although I guess it's pretty split because people do like to make fun of the Falcons for choking. But this Bears team, I think, should be one and two at best. I don't think the quarterback change is going to really do much because I don't think real any real team. I'm sorry to say that, but I don't think any real team is going to let the Bears do what they've done in the past two of the past three games. They should, so yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't trust this team moving forward. I just definitely think they're they're three and zero, but they could definitely still miss the playoffs. And I honestly think they will. I totally agree with you. They they are very thin in terms of their wins. Right, haven't played the greatest teams, um, and that, that that quarterback switch over. You know, Nick Foles is not this incredible quarterback that some people believe he is. In my opinion, no. um, he's not. He's not a type of guy that's going to lead your guys to your your teams to Super Bowls alone. Um, I feel like those those years that he did. The year they did bring the Eagles to the Super Bowl was more of like a fluke more than anything else. Um, 
With that being said, we'll be on to the Chargers Panthers. Really interesting game here. The Panthers wound up taking a 21 to 16. Uh, pretty close game. Uh, the Panthers struggled offensively. They, they put up a lot of field goals. Um, they didn't really see much production out of uh, Bridgewater besides a pass from uh, Mike Davis, pass to Mike Davis uh, for a touchdown. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's been pretty subpar so far. You know, he had 235 yards of touchdown, nothing incredible. Um, I guess the story really here is, is how does Justin Herbert did for the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert at 330 yards with a touchdown and interception. Uh, not bad, honestly. Uh, you know, touchdown and interception, 330 yards, pretty mediocre, but, uh, you know, pretty solid for the quarterback, especially with the COVID and him stepping in late for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, pretty decent game for Justin Herbert, in my opinion. I mean, for the Panthers, I mean, there's nothing really to see much there. It's just a team that's expected to be um, mediocre to below average, and they are pretty much that. I mean, they they won yesterday, but didn't do do so that well. So no, no surprise really there. But for the Chargers, I mean, this I don't think you, I mean it's just one of those games where Justin Herbert's still trying to figure figure things out. He's a rookie quarterback in a year where they didn't get a ton of practice in the offseason at all. He's he's doing pretty well. I mean, he's gonna, of course going to make some rookie mistakes, but. If you expect him to be this franchise transcendent quarterback in his first year, he's not going to be that. He's going to take time to figure things out. He was thrust into play unexpectedly. I personally thought that he was going to take over about week four or five. I didn't ever think it would be this early. So, you know, give him some time, be patient, and I think he'll, I think he'll definitely get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on from there, we had the Colts and the Jets. Uh, in my opinion, we really don't learn anything from this game. Uh, the Colts are a pretty solid team. You know, I think they're one of those mediocre teams that have had success early on. Who's just, I don't know how they're going to do moving into the future. Is Philip Rivers really going to be the... What's up, guys? A uh, little bit technical difficulties there. But uh, in terms of Philip Rivers, I don't know if he's really going to be the quarterback that's going to lead the Colts to the Super Bowl. Uh, highlights for the, for the Colts, though. Uh, Jonathan Taylor put up a touchdown. He was my favorite running back coming into this draft. So that was pretty big to see him get a touchdown there. Um, and then Xavier Rhodes with a nice 44-yard uh, interception for a touchdown. Which, uh, sorry, guys, a little bit more difficulties. But uh, Xavier Rhodes having a pretty good game for the Colts. On the Jets side of things, they're abysmal. I don't think it's necessarily Sam Darnold's fault, but that coaching, as me and Max has talked about, and just from the top down, is very bad. It's really hard to tell where Sam Darnold is because he, he seems like he has a ton of talent, and we've seen some really good stuff from him on film. We've also seen him force a lot of stuff, and I think it comes out of a desperation just to make plays happen where he really doesn't have them. Um, I think if you're, I think you can win with Sam Darnold. I think you just have to put the right pieces around him, and the Jets uh, do not have that, in my opinion. You know, you could look at Trevor Lawrence. They do get that one slot, but I think Sam Darnold, to me, it is, you know, I think it's worse for the Jets to do get all those talent and keep Sam Darnold. I think that would be more beneficial for them because I do think Sam is a, cal- is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback with the right pieces, uh, especially going from top down in that organization. So uh, I can't put the blame all on Sam Darnold here. Yeah. Um, um, Brian, do you want to say anything before I do? Yes, definitely. Uh, so um, I don't even know where to start. Everything about this team just bothers me. Uh, the defense is so bad. Um, they were talking about yesterday how uh, this, or I was talking to my dad. I forget how different the def- how different the defense looks from just a year ago. They had Leonard Williams. They had Jamal Adams. Um, they had someone. Oh, C.J. Mosley at the beginning of the season. And listen, I mean Leonard Williams didn't work out that great. I don't think he was 
some superstar, but <laughs> Jamal Adams, I don't want to keep harping back to the point, but I still don't understand why they traded him. Um, and the main focus for me has been Sam Darnold this season. As I've said, this season for me is kind of like the breaking point in terms of my Sam Darnold fandom. And obviously, um, he can, he does make, there's parts of him that I do like. Um, and obviously people talk about all the different things that make him have the potential to be a good quarterback. Uh, but then there's other times where, yes, he doesn't have the, a good team around him. He has a terrible coach, obviously. But how long does not having a good team around him and having a terrible coach totally make the future of Sam Darnold just completely dull? How many years does it take for him to just not continue to extend his game and not get any better? And whether that be Sam Darnold or just not having a good team around him to make him better, I don't really know. And I don't know how many more years of Sam Darnold there is left for him to excel in and to reach that high ceiling that everyone talks about him having. Um, I think that I still root for Sam Darnold and hope that he has a good season, obviously. I am still a Jets fan, but every week he continues to make bad decisions. I mean, he yesterday he was making some throws. There was one that was pretty bad. It was like a downfield throw, and no one was open, but he threw to, he threw to the man that had three, three people on him, which obviously is just terrible decision-making. Um, he had two pick-sixes, another interception, just things that don't make me very excited for Sam Darnold. That's all yeah, I had I mean, to say. I get I get what you're saying, Brian. I mean, and I, I think it's true somewhere in the middle, honestly. I mean, I think the talent's definitely there, and I actually um, showed Nick last week a video of one of the touchdowns he threw against the 49ers, where it's just like, yeah. that, takes, that takes a lot of skill, but at the same time, it's just like, it seems like he's lost his confidence, and like some, I'm, I can't remember, it might have been one of the pick sixes, it might just been another interception i don't remember exactly but i just remember watching one of those and thinking yeah that's pretty much that's a bad decision that's his fault and it's just like mm-hmm. when you're a quarterback you have to i mean it doesn't just take skill it takes all the it takes confidence when you've lost your confidence which looks like sam, looks like sam Darnold has it's i mean it, you're not going to succeed in it but again it's just i think you guys know we what we think about the jets at this point it's just a total mess from the top down and there's got to Somehow they've got to fix it. After all, I don't know what's going to take after all these years of, of sucking. But it's they they got to do something. I'm sorry, Brian. I mean, the confidence is a huge point, and that's kind of like what I'm talking about. Like, how many more years does it take till Sam Darnold just is completely nothing? Um, yesterday, I was watching him like run around the pocket, and he was he for the beginning of the game at least he was very getting out of pressure. He had that really nice touchdown in the beginning where it was similar to last week's play against the 49ers. But he also just doesn't look comfortable, and that's not Sam Darnold's fault for sure. That's the offensive line. Even though there is an improvement from last year, there's injuries on that offensive line, and it's just not the best offensive line. Um, and once again, going back to the my main point, how many more years or how many more games does it take till Sam Darnold is just completely uncomfortable in the pocket, completely has no confidence to throw a ball, and when does it get any better? I don't really right. see a point. Yeah. It's awesome. really tough to win when you're seeing ghosts, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very true. Um, that being said, uh, the next game we had was the Bucks, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Broncos. The Buccaneers won it 28-10. to 
Um, no surprises here. I think the Broncos are a pretty solid team. I, again, I think they have that offense is, is poised to be successful when everything's set, when everything's ready to go. Obviously, with Drew Locke being out, um, Cortland Sutton got injured for the year. They lost Von Miller. That Broncos team is, suffers from injury, and I think that's one of the reasons they're not going to perform all this year, obviously, them being 0-3 now. Um, on the Buccaneers side of things, I think Tom Brady needed a game to get into his group, but he's, he's, he's showing that he's Tom Brady uh, in Tampa Bay right now. 300 yards, three touchdowns, 123, 124 to QBR. Can't really complain there. Um, Gronk has really been a non-factor this season. I mean, he had 48 yards yesterday, which is pretty okay. Uh, O.J. Howard had more yards than him at 49. I just I don't know where Gronk is right now. He just he seems to be a shell of his former self, and I don't know what that could really be attributed to specifically. Um, Chris Gladwin got back in the lineup this week, 64 yards with one touchdown, not bad. Um, really interesting to see how the Bucks use Mike Evans this uh, this week. He had two receptions for two yards. But he did have two touchdowns. Um, it seems like Mike Evans is really being that, you know, I wish I figured it'd be something like this. It just seems like such a Tom Brady move. You know, over the over the past couple of years, Tom Brady has really, really moved moved towards the sort of Deacon Dunk, I like to call it, type of offense where a lot of short passes, a lot of quick runs, um, you know, a lot of quick plays where he just had to sit in the pocket a while, um, but is good at picking up little, little pieces of yards and not going for big chunks all the time. And Chris Godwin uh, is a great receiver for him to do that with. Um, and he has a nice set of running backs between, you know, Ronald Jones, Sean McCoy, Leonard Fournette, to really get that run game going. Um, obviously, they share a lot of carries there. Um, but, um, you know, I just – it's just Tom Brady being Tom Brady, and I think Mike Evans is really just going to be that, that red zone threat moving forward, you know, two touchdowns and two yards and two receptions. Uh, big red zone threat right there out of Mike Evans. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the things with the Bucks where they're slowly but surely gelling. I mean, with – I mean, with COVID affecting everything, and Tom Brady just being on a completely new team, which he's never done, was going to take time. It looks like it's coming together, but I think it probably still is the best is yet to come. I'm honestly not really that surprised about Gronk not being effective because with his combination, you know, he's aging. He took the year off last year, injuries in the past, even in the, the year, his last year on the Patriots, he didn't look the same at all. So, I'm not, I mean, he could be more effective. I'm honestly not as surprised as others, and not really as surprised at all that he's not doing that well and for the Broncos particularly on the offense I mean I know they, they have injuries but I thought they're they got beaten in the trenches like that um defense for the, the defensive line in particular the front seven with uh Shaq Barrett uh um Devin White Levante David really showed up and they I thought they I thought they imposed their will didn't allow the Broncos to do much at all so I mean it was a pretty pretty decisive I don't want to say easy win, but it was kind of like that for the Buccaneers. There was clear head and shoulders a better team. Mm-hmm. I don't agree. Uh, moving on from there, we had the Cardinals and the Lions. The Lions wound up taking this one surprisingly, 26-23. Yeah. The Lions moved to 1-2. and two. Uh, Cardinals moved to 2-1. and one. Going into this game, I was thoroughly sure that the Cardinals were going to go 3-0 here. Um, and they fall to the Lions. Um, you know, I, this game, honestly, Kyler Murray, I think, just hit a speed bump in his development right here. Uh, Kenny Galladay had a pretty solid game for Matt Stafford. Uh, Matt Stafford himself, obviously, um, played pretty well. He had 270 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson had, had 75 yards rushing. It just seems like no matter how old Adrian Peterson gets, he just never seems to cool off, which is pretty incredible. Uh, in my opinion, he's definitely up there with one of the best running backs of all time. And he had a pretty solid game with the Lions right there. Um, and then Kenny Galladay, 57. Receptions a lot for the Lions, but 
Uh, I honestly don't know what to say here besides that Kyler Murray had a bad game. Um, you know, it happens. He's still a younger quarterback. It's only his second year, so you got to give him time to grow. Uh, two touchdowns, three interceptions for Murray. Um, Kenyon Drake couldn't really get it going either on the, in terms of the running game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins still had a solid game with 137 yards. He does what DeAndre Hopkins does. Uh, pretty good win here for the Lions. I don't really know what it was specifically, but uh, they just played really well this week. And if they could continue to play like that, then, uh, you know, against this, re- I think, really good Cardinals team, then the Lions really could keep Matt Patricia going. But, you know, one, it's only one game. game. We'll have to see if they can do that consistently. Yeah, I mean, the I think the Cardinals... For, I mean, it, I think the story of the game of the Cardinals really Kyler Murray. I mean, what? Uh, three interceptions. Three interceptions, okay. I mean, it's just one of those things where he's got the talent, but obviously we can see how raw he is. Makes but I just, yes, it was, I think, I wouldn't say like a, is, is that, I'm going to tear him down or anything. I just think a little speed bump in his development. He just got to be, just do certain things better, but I think he will over time. It was really surprising the Lions were able to get this victory. I thought, like, I, like you said, Nick, I thought they get absolutely blown out. He didn't at all, and I'm not. I'm not going to go and say it. Trisha made his case to be kept. No, I think he still has got to get fired over there. I think it's just one of those games where they caught Kyler on a bad game. But you know, it's good to see Kenny Galladay back too. I mean, I, I was questioning how he do coming back from an injury first game of the year, but he came in and imposed his will. So good for him. 100. Um, moving on from there, we have the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Uh, this is a really interesting game. Really. Uh, shoot out to the end. They were kept going back and forth. Uh, Russell Wilson, in my opinion, he's after this week is the clear favorite for the MVP moving forward. Um, obviously, we have a lot of football left to play, but uh, pretty incredible game from him. We had 315 yards, five uh, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Chris Carson, which we'll talk about him in a second, um, had a decent game. Uh, but I think DK Metcalf is really interesting to look at here, too. Uh, 110 yards with one touchdown. Also, Tyler Lockett boomed for 100 yards and three touchdowns. Um, pretty incredible games out of both of them. Uh, the development of DK Metcalf has become really incredible. Uh, he, he's proven himself to be one of the top-tier wide receivers in the league so far for me, um, especially if he continues to keep this up. Um, between his speed, his strengths, uh, you know, the, the, the measurables he brings to the table as well as his talent, um, he could be one of the best wide receivers this NFL has ever seen. If he continues to develop, right? Um, if he keeps continues to improve, he has all the the skills that you'd want, or you know, between the speed, strength, and, and the talent that you'd want to see. You know, I think the talent is really what he needs to focus on from here. But obviously, the physical traits he has them all, and we've seen him perform really well uh, so far this season. So DK Metcalf, really exciting. You know, I just get, I, I you know I love, I love Randy Moss. So anybody that gives me a little, you know, he's, I'm not sure if he's really one of those go up and get it type of guys. One of these guys is more burn you over the top, uses strength and his speed to really uh, beat you. Um, we did see him make a rookie mistake, though. Uh, not a rookie, obviously not a rookie, rookie, but a uh, bad mistake against the Cowboys. He did catch a huge, I wasn't like a se- almost 70-yard pass, um, which I just thought of now. I almost forgot that. Uh, you know, Beyond that, he still had a good game, right? But he caught like a 70-yard pass. He kind of started strolling into the end zone. He's at the one 2 yard line. And I forget which, which uh, Cowboys Diggs. secondary, Trayvon Diggs. Who is the rookie? It. Yeah, he, he was the rookie. came in and punched it out at like the one-yard line. Went out for a, back for a touchback, which is pretty big loss for the Seahawks there because it would have been a seventy-yard touchdown. Um, you know, I think at the same time where DK Metcalf is getting a lot better, at the same time, uh, don't be cocky and finish the play. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's it's pretty small adjustment you have to make there. Uh, but again, I, I really like the Seahawks team so far. 
Um, to me, they're like a top three team in the NFL between the rate. I think it's right now. It's Um, yeah, I never got to the Cowboys, my bad. Uh, Cowboys moved to one and two. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, three touchdowns, two interceptions, almost 500 yards. So it's a pretty solid game out of him. Obviously, the Seahawks defense uh, needs to do better moving forward. Amari Cooper had a pretty good game with 86 yards. Michael Gallup had a really good game. Cedric Wilson, uh, Gallup had 138 yards, a touchdown. They had Cedric Wilson, 170 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, pretty good game there. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about this game, which I wanted to go back to, was Chris Carson. Um, he was tackled by... Cowboys defensive tackle Tristan Hill, who gator rolled him, which if you guys have never seen the gator roll, essentially he grabbed his legs, tackled him to the floor, and once he had him on the floor, uh, Tristan Hill started spinning, um, which, like, in terms of, like, an actual alligator, they spin to rip off, like, limbs or body parts of their prey. Um, Essentially, that's why they call it a gator roll. Essentially, you could really hurt somebody's ankle like that, Um, which I think Tristan Hill did intentionally. And I hope he does face a large suspension for it. Um, even though he, he is he is so far within the you know has not been fined, um, he, so rather he has been fined but not suspended. I do hope they upgrade that to a suspension. Um, it, it was a pretty dirty play, and I just wanted to point that out. That, like, there's no room for that in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I think anyone can agree that was a definitely dirty play by Tristan Hill. But the good news is, um, they. The news has come out that Chris Carson is all right. They said he has a minor knee sprain. They even think he could be ready for this week against the Dolphins. We'll see if that happens. But um, the good news is a pretty minor injury in the grand scheme of things. But for the Seahawks, I mean, it just they keep. There's not really much to say besides Russell Wilson just keeps rolling. It's showing why he is the top two quarterback in the league. I think. I think he's the, behind Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. But other than that, I I don't think there's anyone else better than him. And. And then DK Metcalf is because he's a monster. He continues to develop well. You you got it's got to clean up that play. You don't you don't want to start showboating before you get into the end zone. But that's an easy fix there. He'll he'll learn. It didn't cost him the game, which is good. Tyler Lockett up another great receiver, really super fast. He had a great game. I think it was three touchdowns. I believe it was for him. Oh uh, yeah, three touchdowns. Yeah, amazing game for him. And then for the Cowboys, pretty expected. I thought I knew it'd be a shootout because. Um, the defenses in this game were not going to be very good, but I did I did expect the Seahawks to win because I do think they definitely they have the the um, more of the intangibles when it comes down to it. But I think the Cowboys. I mean, I'm a fan. I think I'm pretty excited because looking at how the the rest of the NFC East is kind of um, imploding. I think the division right now is all but theirs for the taking because I don't the Giants and the football team. I don't think are going to take it right. Definitely, the Eagles look to be a mess, and the Cowboys as long as they don't. I mean, it's a big if, but if they don't trip over them. Cowboys could easily win it if they, again, if they don't trip themselves up. Um, that being said, we're going on to our final game. That was actually... So far, we had the... So far, and he, he's kind of like that X factor that, that really helped the Packers edge out the Saints here. Even though the Saints are one and two, I still think they're a really good team. Uh, Thirty-seven to thirty win, you know, it's pretty respectable on both sides of the ball. The Packers are a slightly better team um, so far in the season. It really showed here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, two hundred eighty-three yards, three touchdowns, one thirty-four, one thirty-five QBR. Um, Alan Zard had a pretty good game too. He's an Iowa State guy, um, one hundred forty-six yards and a touchdown, which is pretty big. Um, he, he, you know, he's kind of been on the low for a while now, but he, you know, that type of game, 
let's see, let's see if he continues that, but he could be like the receiver that the uh, the Packers have been looking for for a while. And on on the Saints side of things, side of things, uh, Alan Kamara went off, right? Um, yeah, he he had a really good game. Um, you know, he, he only, which is surprising because he only had uh, 58 yards rushing, but he had 139 yards receiving and then two touchdowns. So, uh, really good game for Alan Kamara. Manuel Sanders put up a touchdown. Drew Brees three three touchdowns, 288, 136 QBR. You know, I think this game, this this matchup was really evenly matched. Um, it just honestly goes to show that both these teams are really good teams. Um, but the Packers are the slightly better team, and they edged out the Saints there. Yeah, I mean, I think with, with talking about the Packers, I honestly wasn't that high on them coming into the year. I thought the 13-3 record last year was a fluke. Aaron Rodgers, I thought, was not going to have a great year because I thought with his age and you know with the way the team had a bad offseason, I thought it wasn't going to go that well. But they've proven me so wrong right now. Aaron Rodgers playing like a top five, maybe even a top three quarterback with the way he's throwing the football downfield. Aaron Jones becoming one of the best running backs in the game right now. And that 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 team is pretty clear, but that offense is absolutely on fire. I mean, for the Saints, I think that people are going to get on the Saints because of Drew Brees and he's aging and all of that, but I wouldn't panic because they, they lost a game in the week two of the year where they're usually not very good. They, usually, they I don't think they've I don't remember the last time they didn't lose a game within the first two weeks of the year to not so great of a team. And then and yesterday they just happened they ran into a really, really good team. I still think they're gonna have a good record, but they were I think mean, they were edged out. It's a really good game till the end. And Alvin Kamara, I mean, the way he's playing right now with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley injured, I think he's bar none the best running back in the league right now. The way he's just able the way he you, you can use him as a multi multi purpose weapon and his ability just to break tackles, he's so elusive. He's such a treat to watch. And I, 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 I thought this was probably one of the more enjoyable games of the year. And I think so far, and um, Sunday Night Football is doing a pretty good job getting good games on television. Mm-hmm, 100%. Uh, with that being said, we have our final game, which is a little bit of a preview, which is tonight at 8.15. Uh, it's 4.30 right now on Monday. Uh, we're going to have the Chiefs and the Ravens, which in my opinion is the best game we're going to have of the regular season. Uh, these are my, my two Super Bowl favorites, and I know, obviously, they both can't win the Super Bowl, but I think these are the two best teams in the NFL um, behind these Seahawks, or, or in front of the Seahawks, rather. Uh, really interesting game here. Um, you know, obviously, both teams, I, I don't have to speak for much about either of them. The Chiefs are incredible. They won the Super Bowl, and the Ravens are incredible behind Lamar Jackson. Um, if I had to pick a winner here, um, you know, I'm, I, I'd probably say I'm more of a Chiefs fan, so I want the Chiefs to win. But in my opinion, I, I definitely see the Ravens taking this one strictly because their defense is better. Um, I just feel like the Ravens are poised for a win here. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm, I'm going to go with the Chiefs because I think their offense is unstoppable no matter who you put them against on defense. You know, the way Patrick Mahomes is, it's almost impossible to get him off the spot. If you get him out of the pocket, it doesn't matter. He'll just roll out. He'll throw across his body. He'll throw on the money, especially with the receivers they have. You know, no disrespect to the Ravens' corners, but I'm not sure they – I'm not sure any of them are fast enough to cover Tyreek Hill. Even Michael Hardman's quick, too. You have to also worry about Travis Kelsey. Then you have to worry about their running game with Clyde Everett Lair. So this is such a complete offense. And I think the Ravens are going to do what they can. But I think it's one of those things where Lamar Jackson, he's not had a lot. He has not played from behind a lot in his career. And when he has, he struggled. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win in a close game. But it could go either way. But. Unfortunately, I will not be watching the game due to a certain hockey game tonight that's kind of important, and we're going to be talking about it soon, but I'll probably I'll probably have it on um, TV in my dorm 
I'll be watching the hockey on my computer, but it's it should be a sh- it should be a shootout. I hope it's a really good game. Um, so. so I guess from that point on, we will transition to the NHL. So we keep going, Max. <laughs> All right. So Stanley Cup final. Yeah, it's it's going and it's pretty good right now. The the Lightning are up in the series three to two, and the, you know looking at it, the Stars they have not. I don't think they have not deviated from their typical game plan. They, I don't think they should. It's just that the Lightning are significantly more opportunistic than the Knights are. I think a lot of it comes down to, well, partly the Stars own dream, but I also think a lot, of, a lot has to do with the Lightning offensive talent. This Golden Knights are a great roster, but they don't, they don't have what it takes to, to compete offensively with the likes of Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, even the on the even on defense, they don't have players good as Victor Hedman, although Shea Theodore could be getting up there. Anyway, the Lightning have been really taking advantage of opportunities. A lot of that has to do, I think, with the Stars' lapses in the games two through four. They, and particularly in games two and four, they took a lot of penalties. The Lightning really made a pay. Game three, they had some defensive breakdowns. The, the there was one play where the Miro Heiskanen turned it right over to Nikita Kucherov, who of course buried it easy. It was on a breakaway. They also also got caught in a bad line change. Uh, in um that same game, and then they were, and then Braden Point scored game the game that's game three. I meant to say game four, but that was game three with the bad um defensive lapses happening in the game 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 four. A lot of it was a story of taking penalties, but the um also the first goal that they the Stars gave up in that game was they allowed a breakaway to Braden Point, who of course scored game five. They played a much cleaner game. They only took one penalty, which they killed. The the only only odd man rush they gave up that game was not even really an odd man rush. It was Nikita Kucherov kind of broke into the zone on his own a little bit, but then Miro Heiskanen defended that pretty well. And they got outshot in overtime, but they still won. That's honestly a typical Stars victory. They they got outshot all the time. They spent a lot of time in their own zone, but they find a way to win. And that's literally the case of the Stars. It's so strange, but literally the difference with them, I think, is no matter how close the games are, playing a clean game versus not playing a clean game. And I thought... I thought we saw it on Saturday night. And Game 6 is tonight. It's anyone's game right now. And if the Stars play a really clean game, they have a chance to win. But that being said, they really have to do everything right in order to win. So I will say, to conclude my analysis on this series, the Lightning are still under immense pressure right now. Honestly, I think more than they've ever been in the past few years. I mean, you look, last year they came into the playoffs as one of the best regular season teams of all time. Obviously, they ended up getting swept. Huge embarrassment. People mocked and ridiculed them. You, you want to think of what's going to happen. They end up losing the series after being up 3-1 when everybody thinks they've, you know, they've shed their pass. It's going to be unlike anything we have ever seen. So, Lightning, honestly, they better get it done. And I think we have seen in these playoffs, especially last series, they were same situation played out. They're up 3-1. to one. They go to game, double overtime game five, end up losing come back and win game six and take the series. So they're not uncharted territory, but they just have to get it done because, you know, literally right now winning, the difference between winning one game and winning zero games is huge. I mean, Danny, do you guys want to talk, have any comments about or questions about that? I guess not. I was waiting for Brian, but I was (laughs) going to say, this, this Lightning team is pretty incredible. As you said, they've been really good in the regular season. It's kind of their time to capitalize on the fact that they've been so good over the past couple of years in the regular season. Um, and as you said, like I've seen them against the Islanders and then onto the Stars. 
uh, they they score when they need to, and they're just a really tough team, team to beat, and they're definitely like my team going forward. And yeah, this team is extremely opportunistic, so that's and that's how they're winning these games. So that hopefully they can, for their sake, they can do it tonight. I really want the Lightning to win. I really do. I want I for number one. I can't root for the Stars. They're a division rival of my number two. I I really hope they can get this done because I think it'd be a tremendous story. So I'm going to move on to another some more big news on the week. Um, Patrick, a big, pretty big trade that happened. Patrick Hornquist was traded from the Penguins to the Panthers for Mike Matheson and Colton Sevier. Um, to me, I think this is a clear, clear win for the Panthers. You know, Hornquist, he's an old player, a physical forward. Not He's not going to age too well, but he's a heart and soul player who's a great Netflix presence. He made a name for himself in front of the goal when he played on on the Predators. When I And I've been a huge fan of the Predators all my life. I know what kind of player he is, and he... The locker room always loves him, and he's only got three years left on his contract, so it's really not going to kill the Panthers that bad. It's a huge win, I think, when they got rid of Mike Matheson's, Mike Matheson's contract. And for, I don't know why the Penguins took this on. I really, really don't, because Mike Matheson's, Matheson's a player who's never really reached his um, ex- expectations. He had like one or two good years, and he wasn't really that good. He's pretty mediocre to below average, and he has six full years left on his contract. And the Penguins already have, they have already have quite a few contracts on, bad contracts on their team, particularly the defenseman, Jack Johnson, terrible contract. Now they got to take on this one. It's just, it's just terrible. I also don't know why they took on Colton Sevier. He's like a fourth liner. He doesn't do much. Also, one thing I want to talk about is Jim Rutherford, Penguins GM. I'm not sure I believe this, but I heard a rumor, someone t- tweeted it. He said that he didn't realize that, that his team lost cap space in the trade. Which is, if that's true, that's a fireable offense immediately, especially when you think about the moves he's made the past few years since their last cup win. I mean, if you don't know that you, he thought, I think he said something in an interview, like, we wait, we saved a little catch space, and he's like, oh, wait, no, we didn't. And I'm, I don't even know, I don't know if it's true, but that's, that's, that's a really, really bad look. And I, if it is true, and I'm not sure why the Penguins are keeping it around, so... Yeah, another bad, another bad trade, another bad signing for the pink, another bad move for the Penguins. I, I, I hate the Penguins, so I like to see it. So, moving on, another a contract extension this week. Jeff Petrie of the Canadians, he got re-signed. He has one more year in his current deal, but he got re-signed four years, six point two five million per year. I actually think this is a good deal. I think Petrie's a pretty good player. He's a good defenseman. He's not. The best defensively, but he's actually he's pretty good offensively. And I thought when I watched him play, he made some pretty good contributions. I remember in the in the um, qualifying round against the Penguins, he had a really really good shot from a really tough angle. And is it, those are usually ones that goaltenders should stop. But I thought it was a really really good shot on Matt Murray. And so I mean, clearly Petrie can play. One the one thing I question about the deal is that he's 32 years old and the contract begins next year. So hopefully he ages well. That'll be a big part of. You know, if this contract turns out to be a win or not, but over, but overall, I think it's a good signing for a good player. So that's all I have to say about that. The last point I want to make about hockey today: Mark Stahl, he was traded from the Red Wings. Excuse me, he was traded from the Rangers to the Red Wings. Also, a second rounder went to the Red Wings for future considerations, and it was not specified what those considerations are. But that was the that was what it was talked about as. And honestly, this is huge for the Rangers. I hate to say this about Mark Stahl. He's a veteran. He's a longtime stalwart of that Rangers team. He's been there since, I think, I believe he's been there his whole career. But honestly, the Rangers had to make this move. 
because he had become a due to his declining, um, due to his decline and his um, his contract five point seven million. It's only for next year, but he'd become a liability with that, especially with this team. They have some restricted free agents to sign. They also need to get younger. That was a huge move by the Rangers to be able to get rid of him. For the Red Wings, I don't think this move really does much. I mean, it adds a second rounder for them, which is good. But, I mean, I, we'll see what that second rounder becomes. But, but in terms of the, the the current player, I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, I don't think any any con, no contending team would willingly take on Mark Saul's contract. But for the Red Wings, it's, I mean, I guess it's good if they want to add a draft pick. Like I said, the contract's only for next year. And the, and the Red Wings are certainly not going to be competitive next year. So, overall, I mean, a huge win for the Rangers. Not really... Red Wings, but it's not a loss either. So I mean, that's all I got to say about hockey. All right, Nick, any you have anything? Nope. Okay, so we're gonna move on to the NBA, which obviously had a big week. I'm gonna start with the Eastern Conference, and Nick's gonna do the Western Conference, and we'll get into the finals. So in terms of the NBA, um, the Heat ended up being the Celtics four two. Um, I mean, the Heat continue to do it. Uh, Ben Abayu, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, and Duncan Robinson um, all played well. And obviously, I'm leaving out a very important name who had an outstanding series. Obviously, Tyler Hero. Um, I mean, he's played well this whole season, but he's definitely starting to become a bigger name through... I mean, he's played well this whole season, but he's definitely starting to become a bigger name through the series. Game four, I mean, 37 points, six rebounds, three assists. He's still coming off the bench for the Heat. And I don't see them moving him because obviously he's playing really well from the bench. Um, in the series in general, both teams played, I think, very well. Um, when you get this far into the playoffs, you're a good team. Um, so I think the Heat just continue to do what they've been doing. They have the momentum with how they've been playing. And people betting against them and still betting against them is a fire that's been lit under them for basically the entire bubble, but especially during the playoffs, and um, just continue to make them excel, beat teams like the Celtics, um, who, in my opinion, I thought were going to beat the Heat, and I think a lot of people would have agreed with me on that stance. Um, But there's not a lot more to say. I think Jimmy Butler and Ben Abayu have obviously been the two big players for the Heat throughout the playoffs, and they just continue to be that player, the players that they needed. And I guess we'll talk about Lakers Nuggets now. Yeah, I would definitely say, just going finish off that segment, I would just say that, that series is a lot more interesting. That you know, Again, that team-oriented type of basketball was really interesting to watch throughout right. the entire series, but the Heat are just really hot right now. Uh, the Heat are you know, on fire. They have a lot of heat right now. There you go. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of hot puns. Um, you know, Tyler Hero, I've been a fan ever since he came out of college. Right. I thought that he was really good at Kentucky, so I was excited to see what he do in the NBA, and I kind of expected this out of him. Um, I, you know, I, I did see the Nets heat play earlier in the year, so I, I, I can say that I saw the, the team that made the finals here. They made the finals. kind of cool. Uh, you know, the heat team was just better in the series, and they have a lot of interesting pieces. I But, you know, Going into my series now, the Lakers, they wind up being too much for the Nuggets. Um, I feel like there's not much else to say. I mean, it was a 4-1 to one, uh, victory for the Lakers. It was a pretty big blowout for them uh, in terms of the entire series. 
Uh, the, nobody's as good as the Lakers, and it's pretty evident. Uh, this Lakers team, there are a lot of veterans. They're a really big team. Um, I think the story here, I think, you know, for the Heat are going to take on is LeBron James. Um, not a surprise, obviously, but it's just LeBron James, when he wants to turn on whatever he needs, whatever the Lakers need, whatever team he's ever played on needs, he fills that gap. If their team needs three-point shooting, he becomes Steph Curry. If his team needs playmaking, he becomes Rondo Stockton. It's just his skill set is so diverse. And he's just able to turn on whatever he needs to uh, whenever his team needs it. He's just he's such an incredible player. Um, it just really goes to show like uh, why he's considered you know one of the best between him and Michael Jordan. Um, and I really don't you know in terms of this this finals going forward. Um, despite the Heat having some good players, I just don't feel like they're ready to win a finals this year, especially not against the Lakers and how well they're playing right now. But that being said, if I had to do a prediction of the finals, I'm probably going to say the Lakers in five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I was going to say Lakers in five, too. Or, you know what, I'm going to give them Lakers in six. Um, I'm rooting for the Heat, if I was going to be honest, so I'm going to bet against them like I've been doing. Um and one thing that I did want to say between Lakers and Nuggets, I didn't want to. I don't. If you're a Nuggets fan listening to this, you should be extremely happy with what your with what your team did. Um, I mean, Jamal Murray put on a show. Um, Jamal Murray and um, Jokic uh, put on a show throughout the playoffs, and really, even though they had an outstanding season, they really put themselves on the main stage and main frame. Um, and for seasons to come, I think that duo is going to be really fun to watch um, and could be very interesting in terms of the Western Conference. And obviously, this season, a lot of people were betting against them because no one saw them as like an actual playoff team, and Nick mentioned that a lot of times. But I think after this season, people are going to start to see the Nuggets as an actual uh, threat in the Western Conference. I totally agree. I, I didn't want to downplay what the Nuggets had done. Um, I think it's similar to you know me as a Rockets fan. It's like I, I have a lot of faith in our team, and then we get players like the Warriors, the, the Lakers, where it's just like we're not as good as them. We never will be. And it's just yeah. you can't really blame the Rockets for losing. You know, you feel like you could, always could have done more, but since the entire series, you just you'd hope to put up more of a fight at the end of the day. That was the only thing you really were hoping for, uh, if you're looking at it realistically. Um, with that being said, you know Jamal Murray was really good in this playoffs, and if he continues, if he takes this play over into the next season, right. you're looking at an extremely good Nuggets team. I mean, they performed, I think, up over my expectations. I think a lot of people over expectations. Um, you know, really good team, a good core. Uh, MPJ, uh, Jamal Murray, Jokic, and seems like the coaching is is good. Uh, a lot to look forward to if you're a Nuggets fan. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we'll go into baseball now. Obviously. Baseball is making its way into the playoffs. Um, I first want to give, if this loads, I want to give a little background about how the playoffs are going to work this season. Um, so obviously it's a different year. Um, if no one knows, COVID's going on. Uh, so I'm just going to read a little excerpt, I guess, from Spencer Reyes' article on the Sport Universe, which really kind of um, goes through everything about how it's going to work. So I'm going to read this. So instead of the usual 10 teams, 16 teams will be playing October baseball. Eight teams per league will make it, which consists of the first and second place winners of each division and the two wildcard teams from each league that we are used to. The first round of the playoffs will be called the wildcard series, and it will be a best two two out of three series. 
No teams with, will have any buys throughout the postseason. The first and second place teams of each division will be numbered one through six, and the two wildcard teams will be seven and eight in order of winning percentage. Then it will become a traditional 16-team bracket with one versus eight playing, two versus seven, three versus six, and four versus five for each league. Um, each wildcard series game will take place at the home park of the team that holds the higher ranking. The next round is where it gets a little tricky. The division series will be best three out of five, and this is where the MLB postseason bubble comes into effect, which we haven't really talked about much, but I guess I can get into. Um, only four locations will be used for the division series. The upper bracket of the NLDS will take place at Globe Life Park in Texas. The NLDS will take place in Minute Maid Park, which is home of the Astros. The upper bracket of the ALDS um, will be at Petco Park, for the, which is the Padres Stadium. And the lower bracket will be in Angel Stadium in Anaheim. After the series wraps up, the ALCS will take place, will stay place, will stay in San Diego, and the NLCS will stay in uh, Texas. The World Series will take place in Arlington. Um, both League Championship, Championship Series and World Series will be best four out of seven. And that's basically it. Um, some of the things that just kind of came off the page. Um, in terms of the locations that baseball picks, um, it's kind of interesting to think about because for, obviously there's no fans there, which we all know, but in terms of the Padres, they kind of really lucked, lucked out, and the Astros. Um, actually, not the Astros. I'm actually disregard what I just said because they're on opposing sides between the ALDS and LDS. So I guess I'll just go right into the postseason, um, the teams that made it. Tampa Bay Rays uh, have the first seed in the AL, then obviously followed by the Yankees. Um, other teams that made it, the Twins, the White Sox, uh, the Indians and Blue Jays both have the um, wild card. And Athletics and Astros took the AL West, Athletics being number one seed. In the NL, uh, the Dodgers and the Dodgers and the Padres took the NLS, Dodgers being number one seed. Um, NL East, the Braves and Marlins took the NL East. And the Cubs and I'm pretty sure it ended up being the Reds took the NL Central. And wild card is the Cardinals and Brewers. Just some things to talk about. I mean, with the conclusion of the season, the regular season, the surprise obviously is the Marlins. Um, the Marlins had the biggest COVID outbreak, which we all learned about. Um, I think the stat is around 130 different uh, roster moves that they had to make throughout the season. Um, just a bunch of key players getting out from COVID injuries, everything, and just random players refilling their spots. Um, the pitching was outstanding for the Marlins, and that's what really propelled them to having a if you want to say good season, I guess it was, it's an average season. They were basically 500. Um, and that's what in this COVID season, 16 teams made the playoffs, which is I think half of the league. So you didn't have to be great to make the playoffs, but the Mons were definitely, um, a good team in any regular season. I think they would have just missed the playoffs. Um, or actually might've totally, well, they would have totally missed the playoffs, but more by a lot, just because they were only really 500. Um, but the Mons were definitely surprised. Um, if I had to start going through 
Actually, I'm just going to do a World Series prediction because I think that's the funnest thing to do um, since it's so far away. If I had to pick one, I think it's going to end up being the Dodgers and Rays. I don't really know. I'm going to say Dodgers and Twins. Um, I like what the Rays have been doing. They obviously are a really good team, um, but I don't know. I just The Mets played the Rays, and the Rays didn't really... They seemed good. Obviously, the Mets did not play well against them, but I really like what the Twins have done over these past seasons, and I think this might be the year where they get to the next level. Um, but in terms of the World Series, I think the Dodgers are going to take it. Um, they have so much talent on their team. I mean, they just randomly added Mookie Betts. I mean, it wasn't random, but just another great player to add to their team this offseason, and if I had to pick, I would say the Dodgers would take the World Series this year. Any other comments? Um, just that the Yankees uh, are going to take the series against the Indians, and then the Yankees are going to win the World Series. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Uh, they're going to beat the Dodgers in the World Series, and it's going to be a 4 sweep. All right. <laughs> um. <laughs> On the real, I think that I think the Yankees will win out the series, and hopefully they do make it to the World Series. Um, right. And if they do, I think it's going to be against the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Again, it really depends on... We all know the Yankees. I think everybody in baseball knows how talented the Yankees are. It's all can they stay healthy, which I think they probably will during the playoffs. So it comes down to the fact that, like, the players coming back from injury, are they going to be able to perform? And they going to be able to glue as well as they did um, towards the end of this, the end of the regular season when they went on the, like, 10 0 run. Right. If they have to play like that during this postseason, there's not a single team that can stop them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There, well, there's a few reasons why I wasn't going to say the Yankees were going to make the World Series. First off, I'm totally rooting against them. Um, and I'm not going to leave my bias out of this podcast. Um, but also, just because of all the injuries they've had, they haven't really had their whole team together. So I, I think that is will maybe hit them a little bit. But I do see the Yankees making it far into the playoffs. Um, in terms of, I guess, we'll go away from the playoffs and I'll talk about the Mets. Um, I guess my last Mets, Mets rundown of this baseball season, which... It speaks for itself. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs. Um, it's four years since they made the playoffs in 2016. Um, every season when they lose, there's always a lot to look forward to, and every Met fan knows this, that it's always wait till next season. And I don't want to continue to say the same thing, but going into next season, they're going to have a new owner in Steve Cohen, who is going to be the most wealthiest owner in baseball by far. I think he has like $14 billion and bought the team for $2 billion. So that once again speaks for itself. But um, another disappointing season for the Mets. Uh, There's a lot to look to that is exciting in terms of Michael Conforto definitely making it to the next level. Um, And Dom Smith basically jumping a level. He's two levels higher than what he was. And by those levels, I mean Dom Smith was – a bench player, and now he's semi in the running for the MVP. Obviously, he's not going to win it, but he had an outstanding season. Um, Jeff McNeil also had a really good season. Jacob DeGrom continued to excel. He's not going to win the Cy Young this year because his final three starts were good, but not as good as Trevor Bauer has been. Um, And if I wanted to take a more depressing tone, Pete Alonso did not have a good season. Um... The pitching for the Mets was definitely not there. Um, there's Jacob DeGrom was it, and Seth Lugo maybe was the number two. Um, but 
there's stuff to look forward to to next season, but I don't want to be that usual Mets fan that says wait till next season, and I more just want to see success from my team. But with that being said, that's all I have for baseball, and I think that ends this week's podcast. Um, Nick, any final thoughts? Uh, no, just, you know, a ton of news this week. Thank you guys for sticking around through the entire thing. Hope you guys enjoy it. There's just so much to cover right now. Um, it's really hard to choose, like, where we should cut off because, you know, we don't have a five-hour podcast, plus we have lives outside the podcast, so it's really, really tough to choose, like, what specificities to cover. But I um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Other than that, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them at my email at nicholaswarmateniahu.com. Um, be on the lookout for maybe a, the giant universe popping up soon. Uh, details to follow on that. But uh, other than that, thank you guys for listening. Have a good week. It's like weekend. Depending when you listen to this, uh, I head back to Brian. All right. Uh, Max, any final thoughts? Uh, no. Uh, thank you for listening and have a great day. All right. Um, in terms of my final thoughts, as Nick mentioned, um, you might start seeing some smaller universe sport universes popping up. Um, obviously, if you didn't know, we had a Met universe. Um, Nick soon, I think, is going to start the Giant universe. It's all set up for him. Um, it's just a matter of when we want to start posting. Uh, the Jet universe, also, I will be doing that. So look for that. Um, other than that I but, might be starting the Titan universe. So I don't, I'm undecided, though. Yes, I did not want to say that Max was starting because I'm not sure. We're not sure yet, but... You can look for that, too, um, possibly. But we'll be back next week with another podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you have any comments uh, or opinions, you can DM us. Check out our videos on YouTube, Instagram, um, our website with articles. And if you have any interest writing for us, adding videos or any way you think could help, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye. Great.